Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Mingry Nation podcast. Welcome to it. I do apologize uh, ahead of time. My uh, my voice is it's a little rough. I try to spend a day. Usually I record this. We record this in the morning, Sunday morning, you know, uh, basking in the glow, eating a little brunchy brunch as we're, uh, I'll say we're not old, but we're, you know, like experienced. Um, so I try to give my voice a little chance to rest. Uh, and this is what you got. Uh, but, you know, like my wife said, it's more authentic. You've been there. You did it. It's a voice uh, that has, was at the game, you know. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sunday evenings. Mornings are cozier. Sunday evenings are a little more restful. I got work tomorrow, whatever, but, you know, I don't even care. I'm basking in the glow. Uh, after a Mean Green dominating win, an underdog win, let me, I mean, there's just so many places to start or to, things to cover. Uh, and I don't know. I was kind of thinking about this all day. Um, I think let's just start at the headline. North Texas winners, 45-23 over the Roadrunners of UTSA, the rival. Um, and, you know, like, they're not a rival, like, say, uh, Auburn is a rival of uh, Alabama or, you know, any other team that you consider a real rival. Not even, like, Texas, Oklahoma. It's not, like, Egg Bowl, Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, it's nothing like that, and it doesn't have to be. It, it is what it is for us, and that's fine. It could be that, and it was that. Um, you know, there was enough people that were around in 2013 that got a little angry about what happened then when they came up and they, they disrupted our season. I don't say they ruined it. They disrupted it because uh, that season was still great, and, and, and it still remains in everybody's memory, right, that 2013 uh, season. That was the Halloween game against Rice. That was the bowl victory season, right? The bowl championship, as Dan McCartney called it. So good memories, good times. And that's what UTSA fans are telling themselves. And that is hilarious to me because uh, I know that what they're doing. Um, 340 yards rushing, right? Uh, just an absolute domination. I said in the pregame, um, the, uh, the pregame, uh, oh, say the the preview. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry, apologize. The preview of the game that I thought that UTSA is a talented squad, and they are right. I thought that we're just as talented um, in a lot of spots. We're injured, we're a little bit younger, uh, and we hadn't demonstrated or just basically played to our talent in a lot of ways, in a lot of uh, directions, um, and that's fine, right? It meant that we needed some extra play. We need some guys to play outside of their mind. Um, we joked on Twitter, uh, especially at the, the the worst parts of North Texas season, when we're getting the six losses there, that, uh, you know, maybe we bring the Pioneer kid out, let him throw for 450. Wouldn't that be great? Could you imagine that scenario? UTSA ends up undefeated, and they come to Apogee, and then somebody just spazzes out and, and you know throws for seven hundred yards or something like that breaks the uh, breaks the record. Um, by the you know that that kid that had the record, he ended up being like a coach on UTSA's uh, team there for a little bit. So uh, you know uh, uh, let, let's let's break it or whatever. Um, anyway, Giovanni Vita is what I'm talking about. Um, 
UTSA came in ranked. I, I had suspicions. I was telling my wife this week, right, Thanksgiving week, that number one, like you know, we got real life stuff happening that I'm not even gonna worry about. I'm not gonna obsess about, obsess about this game. I'm just gonna believe what my first, my guts tell me is that we're gonna win. Like, and I can explain those wins, uh, those feelings about the wins. Uh, but you know, like yeah, I'm, I'm also an intellectual person. Right? I could see what's happening. I, we're uh, you know five and six, and they're eleven and zero. There's a reason for that. They had a little bit of that magic. But the other side of that coin is that they had used up some of that magic. They had to dip in and 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 uh, you know demonstrate. They had to use up some of their wishes. Uh, and I realize a lot of this is after the fact. But I mentioned this last week when my voice is a lot better after the FIU game that. We could be excited. We could be thankful that North Texas, the coaches, the players, everybody involved with the program, as much as they deserve the criticism for losing the games they lost and going one and six, they deserve the praise uh, and the and the applauds uh, and the plaudits for getting five wins. Right, getting one of those four straight at the time, five straight now, putting themselves in position. It's real easy to quit. And we're going to talk about some quitters today um, that were wearing orange and white uh, and blue and white. Um, it's real easy to quit when things get tough. And they didn't. They worked harder. They had this whole thing about, like, owning the line of scrimmage, you know, landlords of the sea gap, whatever. That's hilarious. All those motivational things are corny if, if you're outside of it. And they're especially, uh, like, eye-roll-inducing if, you know, they're not working. But they're powerful motivators if they are working, right? And those kids are buying into it. The coaches are buying into it. It's working now, so that's great. Um, UTSA, had, you know, I said they, they were not that good. I had my suspicions about them all season. But, you know, full credit to a team that's winning games, right, 11-0. I felt like they only played one good team all year. Maybe two, because West Kentucky actually turned out to be pretty good. Um, just a side note, interesting thing about Conference USA is that uh, I think Western started out 1-4 and four and is now 8-4 and four going to the title game. Um, North Texas, obviously, right, 1-6, and six, now 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Middle Tennessee, 1-6, and six, now 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Just incredible turnarounds happening there. Conversely, like, uh, was it uh, UTEP was like 6-1, and one, now they're like, you know, they, I think they're like 7-6 and six or something like that, 7-5 or something like that. They didn't really... Do well down the stretch. Um, neither did Charlotte. They were pretty bad. They beat Duke to start the season. And anyway, back to us. Back to the important thing. UTSA were vulnerable, right? They had uh, everybody talking about their number ten rushing defense. A lot. Of the, I don't like. I don't really quote those or even know those numbers because I don't like totals like that. Like you know, three hundred yards per game allowed. Like th- that doesn't tell you a whole lot. Like what what kind of offenses are they facing? Uh, what are the situations? Do they get up big, or you know, are they down a lot? I mean, like if you give up a lot of passing yards, usually you're up a large, uh, a, a large number of points, and teams are passing a lot against you. So I think yards per attempt is big, um, you know, and then like uh, yards per attempt allowed, right? Rushing yards allowed. Those are uh, those are more important and better indicators of what's happening. And then you know, obviously more advanced stats like you know stop rate, this, that, and the other. I think um, in recent years, I've gotten away from looking at or using advanced stats so much. Uh, not because they're bad or they don't tell you everything. I think they tell you a lot and they're really great. But I found myself looking at those stats not really appreciate, appreciating the game too much. So uh, a good advanced number will tell you, will tell a well-trained eye 
the same thing, right? We've been watching North Texas play. I, you know, I can tell you a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh, they'll give up some big plays here and there, but overall they do a good job, and then the advanced numbers tell you basically the same thing. Oh, they got a pretty good stop rate. Their defensive line rate, their, you know, it is pretty good, but they got occasional, same thing, same thing. Um, you know, I just rather watch the game and talk about it than actually look at the stats. So I've gotten away from reporting on those the advanced numbers uh, hither and thither because then you also get into some weird uh, arguments about it, and I feel like it just takes away from enjoying a game. The game's about people playing, so focus on the people. And then, you know, use the numbers to back up the, those arguments later. Uh, anyway, they had a really good rush defense, or so it was said. Um, I watched with my own two eyes. Um, UAB just run all over them, right? Uh, you know, they, they did their deal. They did handled their business against them. Uh, I was concerned, though, that UTSA did find a way to stop that in the second half. They made adjustments. I was thinking that they were going to find a way to do that against us because we didn't really have the complimentary, complimentary pass game that UAB had. So I was a little concerned about that. And I think we all were. If you're a North Texas fan, you follow a lot of the guys uh, that I retweet or just, you know, converse with there. It's a lot of the same thing is that, you know, we didn't have – we don't have a trade of Shopshire the way that UAB does, right? Our, our guys either suspended got kicked off the team or, or hurt or something, you know. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're, we're relying on some talent, but some talent is not – quite all the way polished yet or maybe isn't quite ready for the number one job yet and that kind of thing like you know i like rod burns i like uh i say d brown i like these dudes but you know it, it, the past game in total and a lot of maybe a lot of the dawson or whatever is not quite clicking the way it has been right mason fine years jalen guyton um you know rico bussy uh, Mike Lawrence, those dudes, those are putting up big numbers. Our guys, not so much. Right? It is what it is. Um, so the team, and again, full credit to them, has been saying, "Look, we're just going to run, and our changeup is run harder. Yeah, we're going to run, we're going to run outside, and then changeup is going to run inside, and then we're going to run through you, and then we're going to run around you, um, and that's worked." Now, the, the concern there is like, "Hey, FIU is FIU, and they, they basically have quit." And again, we're going to talk about some quitters later. Uh, they basically quit. And, you know, like, they've allowed big rush yards all season. So can you extrapolate from that much about UTSA? Maybe, maybe not, right? Uh, you would think a team that's going to a championship game will have, you know, Nick Saban said, pride of performance, right? And uh, they're going to play hard. Um, you know, that they want to keep their perfect record, all that other stuff, right? But you get that sense, and I think it was evident that, UTSA was looking forward to the championship game, and they're going to play Western Kentucky now. Uh, you know, the coach called up the president, like, can, can we get an airplane? Because I don't want to ride the bus. Blah, blah, blah. Right? So, you know, I, I think they were looking past little old North Texas, and that was fine with me, you know? Like, I mean, sure, we'll take everybody's best shot and whatever, but if they don't want to play hard and they want to mentally check out the game, I'm not going to encourage them to do otherwise. So, that said, I, I from my, you know, hear it after the fact, talking to some people that that know, everybody was locked in on this game. You could tell that one. There was a lot of momentum around the program, excited about put, being in position to go to a bowl game, and number two about beating UTSA because they're undefeated, uh, and then they were ranked, and number three to exercise some UTSA demons. Right, famously in 2013, they came up here, messed with our season, right, disrupted our year. So we figured let's 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 do a little payback, right? 
job done uh, from the moment go. Well, before I get there, let me just say, I figured, I thought we'd need some little extra help. Again, we, we don't have the offense that we want to have. We have a very good run game, but, you know, we needed a little something, something to help out. And the weather was that help out. Uh, but from the word go, North Texas came out aggressively. And that was great. We said some boldness, some clever, uh, and a little fortune. And then taking advantage of said fortune. Checked all those boxes. Uh, came out bold, right? Austin Ani throwing, uh, get a pass interference. Okay. Run the ball. DeAndre Torrey off the edge. Gets like 13, 14 yards. Amazing stuff. We don't score right there. And right there, I probably want to. I probably would have, you know, tried to go for it. But whatever. They said, let's take the three points and let's go play football. Here's where the fortune comes in, right? The dude receives the ball, tries to make a little move. They put they put a hat on him. He fumbles. North Texas recovers. There's your fortune. They're taking advantage of the fortune. Now, fumbles are a little luck, right? The ball's bounce around. Are you going to get that? Who knows? Uh, but it's less luck than, like, interceptions are, it turns out. Anyway, um, you know, again, it's getting advanced numbers. Taking advantage of it, right? If you're swarming to the ball, you're more likely to get a fumble. If you're tackling well, uh, if you're doing in the right positions, you're more likely to earn a fumble, right? So that's evidence. It's the, the rewards, the benefits that come with, with executing well on special teams. Uh, they get the ball, run, 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 touchdown North Texas. And here's the part where we, we benefited for some fortune is that Ani tried to pass, the ball slips out of his hand. He recovers, right? Well, rewind to the to the pat, to the previous one. Ani played well. He put it on uh, Brown. I think he was just a little bit his back shoulder, but it was a perfectly good catch. He ended up dropping, and that's why they kicked the field goal, right? So, overall, good play from Ani. He didn't he didn't play poorly. Uh, the ball was slippery, right? So, whatever. Uh, so we're up ten nothing. We drive down. We we let them go down a little bit. Kick a little field goal. Fine, no big deal. Up uh, and then we we scored again, right? Go seventeen three. I think we traded. I'm, I'm forgetting. I don't have the full play-by-play play in front of me. I think I'm, I'm forgetting like one or two, uh, like a drive. It's not important. I don't want to recap the game drive-by-drive, point-by-point. Um, what's most important is that when North Texas running the ball, they were, they were kicking ass. You know, I'm sorry if you listen to this with children or whatever, but they were knocking them backwards, uh, creating gigantic gaps, running through them, around them. They didn't want it. Uh, I was joking in the game. I was saying they don't want it. They're cold. They want. It. They want their mom. Uh, you know, they were all wearing ponchos, right? They had all. They had orange ponchos. And you can see them uh, clearly in the dreary day. Uh, I would say a good half, maybe a little bit more than that, had on a poncho. And you like look at the North Texas side, and I think one guy did, and I don't even know who that guy was. And that was like late in the game. Uh, short sleeves, like basically, it was like there's a lot made about toughness in, in football, right? Maybe just to detriment sometimes some people don't talk about stuff and they need help and actually need it, need help. That's beside the point. Uh, everybody know that toughness is required in life and then especially in football. And in that moment, North Texas is a little tougher than UTSA. It was cold, but it wasn't that cold, especially if you're playing, if you're out there doing stuff. Uh, and if you're not, maybe you should be doing stuff. Do a little jumping jacks or something. Uh, they were, you know, they're thinking about the cold. They're not thinking about the game. And, uh, you know, like I, I thought the most uh, effective drive, the the drive that put them away, literally and, and, and mentally, right, was uh, um, after Frank Harris got loose, 
ran for 69 yards. That dude's good. He's a baller. And I said, you can see why no Texas tried to recruit him. I was talking to a guy, and he was saying it was because Seth was trying to make him a safety. I don't know about that. I, I heard that he was going to give him off, let him try to quarterback. But um, whatever. He scores a touchdown. North Texas comes back. Eight plays, 77-yard drive. All runs. All runs. And then uh, Ikaika Ragsdale, you know, scoots up the middle for, for the touchdown. Now just establishing dominance, right? We're going to keep running because we believe we can, and we don't think that you can stop us. And then UTSA was like, yeah, you, we can't stop you. It's not happening. And so then Frank Harris, next drive, comes out. He's trying to make a play. He looks right, tries to make a throw, ball slips out of his hand. We jump on it. Next play, or it was like two plays later, uh, DeAndre Torre does the little dance where he took the the, <laughs> the defensive tackle on a little on a little dosy do you know? He basically asked him to the dance floor, did a little dance with him, scooted by everybody on the team, and then scores. Uh, I, I could do nothing but tweet laughter. And I was laughing in real life and joking and stuff. Uh, like, my tweets are terrible, and they were, like, in all caps and, and terribly written. And that was because my hands were uh, all wet and the phone was wet. Uh, later on, I even had trouble charging it because it, it was like, your phone's wet, bro. I don't know how this is going to work. Anyway. Um, that ended it. After that play, they took out Frank Harris. Apparently, he was crying on the shoulder because he wanted to play of, of the coach. Uh, and, they, you know, again, they were preparing for next week. Like, you come out the game, you prepare for next week, and they threw out some other quarterbacks. So they quit. And, you know, they were down at that point, uh, you know, 31. It was over, and we scored again as 38. It's over by then, right? Um, but that took the life out of them. That took the will out of them. They, they, you know, that they were getting their behinds kicked. Uh, in between there, there was a couple other muffed kicks, muff, uh, muff punt re uh, recoveries. They can blame the weather, and it's right. You know, you got to catch those those balls. That, I mean, whatever. That's uh, everybody knows it. That's, this is football. It's not the first time anybody's ever played football in, in the rain. You know, these are the situations. You know, you have to take care of it. You know, you have to make adjustments and and hang on to the football. North Texas did fumble, and they dropped some passes hither and thither, but that takes nothing away from the 340 yards rushing. It just gave North Texas more opportunities to run for more. And that's it, right? You know, like, again, UTSA closed it to 17-13, and North Texas answered that with an eight-place, 77-yard drive to score touchdown. Uh, that was going to be the answer. That was going to be the, the, you know, the response to anything that UTSA did. And they had no response to that response. You know, they had no counter. Uh, they were just going to keep getting ran down, and that's, that's exactly what happened. Full credit uh, to the offensive line, um, you know, the, the tight ends, they were blocking well. The receivers, everybody was blocking well. Um, the running backs especially, uh, Patrick Cobbs, the legend. Patrick Cobbs, and friend of the show, he's been on the show before. Um, you know, they were, they were dominating. DeAndre Torrey balled out. He had 108 yards or something like that. Uh, Ragsdale had the hard yards. Uh, he, I mean, he was running basically for like 5, 10 yards a, a pop. Uh, especially in that first half, it looked like he could just not be stopped. They were getting gigantic gaps, C-gaps just opened up, just ridiculous. Uh, UTSA had nothing for them. They didn't want it. They did not want to stop them. Uh, they were getting the short yardage stuff. They were getting the long stuff. It was just anything you can ask for in a run game, they were getting, and that was great. Uh, they got, you know, they uh, was it a Deji popped off a 42-yarder, 
a complete and utter, utter, utter dominance. The UTSA quit at halftime, and, you know, North Texas was still ready to dominate into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, backups are getting out there and whatnot. And if, uh, what is it, I think, is it Khatib uh, Lyles uh, caught it, long pass, and went down at the one. If he doesn't go down there, there's another score. And I think the next play, uh, Ani mishandled the ball as a fumble at the one, right? That was going to be another touchdown. We're about to have 52. Um, you know, UTSA ends up scoring. There's some backups out there, whatever. You know, it didn't matter at that point. Um, it was just icing on it. North Texas was going to win uh, 52 to 13 or 52 to 16 or whatever it was going to be, as it was 45-23. I don't hate it. Um, you know, the, I was yelling that I wanted 60 points, and I still wanted 60 points. Now we'll get 60 points next time. It's fine. Uh, putting 45 on them. We put 45 on them in 2019. Uh, that is the – that's our highest score against them. They scored 49 against us in San Antonio in 2020. Uh, you know, where they ran for, you know, a thousand yards against us. A lot of indicating things there, a lot of, uh, you know, get backs happening. Um, you know, North Texas was unable to move the ball in San Antonio in 2020. They ran and moved the ball, you know, ridiculously well in this one. So, again, full credit to them. They were unable to stop, uh, you know, UT San Antonio in San Antonio. Uh, they ran all over us then, uh, stopped them. Shut them down this time. Uh, let me take a look at the numbers because uh, I forget right now. Only 366 for UTSA. Uh, they had 205 yards rushing. Some of those came on like, uh, it was like two long runs, right? It was that Frank Harris 69-yarder, the Brendan ba Brady 56-yarder that came late. Outside of that, nothing happening. Sincere McCormick, 12 carries, 60 yards. Only the, the you know, that was it. There's nothing happened for them. Uh, there was the loss of yards, 28 yards, uh, lost yardage with the, the sacks is what I'm, what I'm trying to say here. It was just a complete domination. Uh, first quarter, we outscored them, or outgained, we outscored them 17-3, outgained them 104 to 45. Uh, second quarter, we outscored them 14 to 10. Uh, they outgained us 175 to 100, but total in the first half, 252 yards for us, 146 for them, 14 uh, I mean, sorry, I'm reading the second half. First half, 204 yards for us, 220 for them, 31-13. Halftime late, just dominant. We had 175 yards rushing in that one. And, uh, again, you erased that 69-yarder. They only have the 100 against us, right? We just dominated. Um, good stuff. Great stuff, possibly. Uh, UTSA, you know, like I said, they can, they, can, they can say what they want, all their fans. Trying to make themselves feel better. Like, well, you guys never won 11-1 before in your history, 100 years, we did it, and whatever it is. But there's a couple things about it. One, going, getting 11 wins is far easier in the 2020s than it was, say, in, like, 1975, right, when you can only play nine games or something like that. Uh, now there's, like, 13, 14 games. Like, UTSA has already played 12 games a season. Uh, I remember in my lifetime that that was the limit of number of games you could ever get, right? So... You know, it's it's not as amazing as you think. Um, you know, the like they're already gonna play a thirteenth game and then a fourteenth game. Uh I think the the teams that have in history that have gone double that won double digit games has increased as there have been more available games to win or to play, I mean. Uh and, and then I thought, you know, whatever, that that's 
I'm sure I'd be saying something similar if it was uh, uh, if I was defending that position. But the thing is about like doing 100 years in North Texas football, I feel like I got to defend it a little bit because uh, it got kind of silly and it doesn't make any sense logically. Like the thing is that supporting a football team, right? A program supporting a football team uh, uh, for 100 years is an accomplishment because there's lots of reasons to shut it down, right? Lots of programs that had like University of Chicago used to have a football team and shut it down. Uh, a couple of these other programs, they wanted to shut it down. Uh, North Texas has had a football program for 100 years and that's remarkable and that's, I think, it, win or lose, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Some of my be- favorite memories or best memories are going to even some losing football games is that the bonds that you create, right, the the relationships that you make, the friendships, the memories, they're all associated with that. And I'm just talking from a fan's perspective. Uh, there's plenty more that happen and that come from, uh, you know, players, right? You know, those are just uh, the kinds of bonds that are even stronger than that, than, you know. People tailgating together, but people been. I was talking to some people tailgating twenty years there, right? Talking about the stories, the fun, all that stuff that happens, right? Uh, those kinds of things are, you know, are what college football is about. It's all of that, and not necessarily one. I mean, for the most part, I couldn't tell you what the what the uh, anybody's record was on a given day. We care about it, obviously, because everybody's a competitor. You know, we like it. We're we're nerding out over it, but. What's more important are the relationships, the people, the people matter. So when everybody's like, oh, 100 years, it's like trying to dismiss 100 years of football is like, well, because you never won a national championship, therefore it was a waste of time. No, it wasn't. I mean, you didn't accomplish your goal, sure, but it doesn't mean that it was a complete waste of time. That's just dismissive of all kinds of people. People that, uh, you know what I'm saying, just, it's silly. It shows that you don't know what college football is really about. And I mean, it makes sense that they don't because they've only been around 10 years, right? Uh, anyway, and, and then add to that, anybody talking has only seen what college football for about 20 years. I mean, even the longest lived among us has only seen it, you know, 70 years. It's not even the full history of all of it. It's just all of it is silly. Anyway, so what does all this mean, folks? We whooped them. Uh, you know, we, we uh, beat a rival. We ripped the ranking off their chest. We destroyed something beautiful, right? Uh, well, it means that we have the the series record. We're five and four against uh, UTSA. Uh, we've won. We've won. We uh, four of our five in Denton. Sorry, I was pausing because I thought my kid was crying. Uh, we won four or five of the five in Denton, um, and you know, obviously, we we got to we got to win down there. Uh, then we have the longest streak in the series. Still, it's three. Uh, and I think they have only their longest streak is two, right? The first two, uh, where they they beat us, and then they got lucky in the next next uh, one in San Antonio. Um, so yeah, we've won the the we lost last year. We won the last three in Denton, I think. Now I'm kind of don't have it in front of me. It was this one, the one we had. We won 45 to three, and then another blowout, and I forget which one that was, or is that just the one we squeaked out? I might be forgetting. That might be the one we squeaked out. Yeah, the 2017 one. So we've won the last three in Denton. Uh, and, uh, yeah, good times. Good times. Austin Ani, 10 of 17, 116 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. 59% completion percentage. That's what I like to see. Uh, we held Frank Harris to 7 of 14 of 59 yards. 
Uh, all told, they had 161 yards. Uh, they played three quarterbacks. One of them threw a 50-yard touchdown or whatever it was. Um, you know, defensive coaches won't like that. Nobody really cares. Uh, I think by that time that he did it, we all just kind of wanted to get out the field because it was, it was cold and getting more rainy. Uh, I was absolutely soaked. Uh, just ridiculous. I'll, uh, what are we, like 30, 30 minutes into this, to this show? Let me, uh, I can tell a little quick story. Funny thing happened uh, on the way back to uh, Mean Green Nation HQ. Um, well, first of all, let me start at the beginning, right? So I was telling my wife, I was like, we got to go up there because I have a feeling we're going to beat them. And we got to be there if we beat them. We got to be there in person. Um, you know, like I, I, we just, I will not have it. And, um, you know, we just have a brand new kid, right? She's looking at the weather. She's like, what if you just go? Because I don't know. This kid's going to make it. And I was like, all right, I can drive up there. It's not a big deal. Maybe I'll leave Friday. But I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to spend that much time away from everybody. And, again, I don't want to leave you with the kids. So I, I'll, you know, I'll just I'll drive up early. It'll be good. After the game, I'll drive back. Not a big deal. And she's like, well, what if we just fly you up there? I'm like, how about that? I'm like, all right. She's like, but we're going to have to get a bigger house. We're we're moving Mean Green Nation HQ, so she's uh, she's already looking at houses, and we're looking at it's like house hunters, you know. You you find one, you're like, this would be good, but it has this weird thing. This one would be good, but just a little outside our budget, maybe more than we want to spend, you know. I do want to be able to afford cable, and you know, whatever that kind of thing. She's like, we're gonna get the house I want anyway. Uh, hop on the plane, five thirty in the morning. One, the Lyft driver showed up too early, so I had to apologize to the Lyft driver, but. I made it out to the airport. Everything's going good. Uh, you know, I land in Denton. Uh, well, I landed in Dallas, get the rental car, uh, drive to Denton. Got a rental car because I'm going to be driving hither and thither. Uh, a thing happened, spending time in Denton, where, uh, you know, just let me mention right now, because Aldo's going to appear in this story. Uh, Aldo's not on this episode because he was hosting a, a friend's. He had other, he was otherwise engaged, uh, so he, he couldn't join. Uh, in the podcast, and then also he didn't get to go to the game. So, uh, if you're wondering where Aldo has been in the past few episodes, he's just been he's been busy. Uh, he too is moving to his manse. Um, anyway, so uh, um, land in Den. Funny thing happened in Den. Uh, I hadn't been there in 2020 because of pandemic, but you know I, I'm there basically every year for a game or just visiting people, whatever. Uh, and I spent some time on the square, just kind of revisiting some old haunts like Jupiter House. And an incredible wave of nostalgia came over me, like, where I'm just seeing these spots. And then eventually, actually, some people from, from way back when, which is kind of crazy, um, they're seeing spots that I spent some time or had meaning to me. You know, I met a friend. Uh, you know, I was like, I have a friend who, whom I've been friend with uh, for, you know, going on, whatever, 10 years now. I met him at Jupiter House, right, when we, it was my now wife and, and her, like, doormate and whatever, we were hanging out. Uh, and all these are coming back to me. And it was weird. It felt like I hadn't been there in 10 years when I, I, I like I said, it's only been like two. Uh, so good times. And I will not take any Denton slander because Denton is a great town. Um, good times all around. I, I was revisiting some places. I was actually sending my wife some pictures. Like, you remember, remember we did this? You, you remember we went? That's very much Chris Farley style. Um, so I grabbed some stuff, some provisions. I head over uh, to the tailgate. Uh, I find 
who I need to find at the tailgate. Um, shout out to uh, those guys. I know who they are. Uh, for for hanging out with me, I had some conversations. I did a little fun heckling of the I think the Sosa band. They were walking by. I asked them to play to practice playing the the sad trombone because they're gonna have to. And you know, good times. Good times talking about tailgating. Good times tailgating. Hanging out with some people. Um, you know, whatever. I was ridiculously soaked. Just absolutely soaked. And I stayed the whole game. Um, no no shame on you if you, you left early or had to leave early. There was a lot of number, there's a lot of people in the concourse, like on the main side, like the, the home side, just underneath, out of the rain, watching the game on TV. Uh, so if you saw that, you know, whatever side you were on and you were looking at the crowd, you're like, that's kind of doing when everybody leave. They did, and a lot of people were just in in the concourse, right? Uh, getting warm, getting some hot chocolate, whatever. Um, I was absolutely soaked. I got the cheap poncho. Uh, I actually stopped at the academy off of Bonnie Bray, right? And I was going to go in and get a poncho. And, and I asked, like, a UTSA truck and two two ladies, viejitas or something, they walked in. And they got, uh, they got their, their, like, basically all the last ponchos. And... Um, um, so all I had was like the fifty dollar ones, and then I was like, I don't need all that. Or like the eighty nine cent ones. I was like, that, there you go. I'll just get that one. I'll be good. Got that one, and I probably should have got the the forty dollar one because I was just absolutely soaked. Like the part of me is like a t shirt poncho sort of deal with the hoodie that was not covered, but like my my actual hoodie was soaked in the arms, my legs and shoes and socks were absolutely soaked. Uh, whatever. We had a good time. Uh, I was surprised that more of the, like, eight students that were there didn't rush the field. I mean, I would have maybe done it, but, uh, I mean, I think I'm too old for that. Maybe I would have went to the student side and did it. I would have maybe encouraged it. I saw one guy did jump in, like, a video. But also, I know some people are like, it's UTSA. We don't rush the field for UTSA. And, you know, fine, whatever. That's fine. I just wondered if it would happen. Um, Fast forward. Uh, you know, I meet up with some folks at Eastside. I saw actually a dude I haven't seen in, in a long time. We were catching up. Uh, and then, you know, some other friends. Shout out to those people. Again, they know who they are. Some people from the Go Mean Green message board. Battled with them. Good times. Had some victory whiskey. Uh, and then I went over to Aldo's house. Uh, and he, uh, he, you know, was a good Samaritan. And he threw my clothes in a dryer. And he gave me some, some Friendsgiving food. And we hung out and had conversations and talked about life and, and, and stuff and all that good stuff. Uh, so overall, great trip. Uh, but it's time for me to leave. I was I, I scheduled, like I said, I didn't want to spend too much time away from my family. So I, I was planning to get a flight out at 9.45 is the departure time. And here's where I made the mistake. is a rookie mistake, I guess. Uh, it, was, it shouldn't be a rookie. It was a rookie-type mistake, not a rookie. I have flown from DFW before plenty of times. Uh, I might have been, you know, just cutting it close, chatting it up with Aldo, him listening to his stories, I guess. Or maybe he was listening to mine. Uh, so I take the rental car back, and I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, oh, I got to get there. I got to get there. I think I could do it. The, if you know anything about the rental car center in DFW, it's like, I don't know, you get, it's deep in it, and it's like sort of on the south side. I'm like still driving, looking at my watch, and then I, I see the signs says rental center car, uh, two miles. God, jeez. And then I, I missed that first turn into it, so I have to take a flip around. I had a brief moment of, of 
uh, freak out where I was like, oh, I'm going to have to, it's going to take me out of the airport. I'm going to have to get back in. It's going to be ridiculous. I parked the car at the rental car spot. I had bought some like gifts and goodies or whatever for like the the kids. Here, let me note about like the stadium concession place. I was like, when y'all close? And they're like, we don't know. Uh, maybe set a time. I don't know. Just close the middle of the third quarter. Or how about you just close after the game? Just every time. Instead of me having to ask. It's like, I don't know when we're going to close. It's when, whatever. Um, I had all the stuff packed into my bag. And I was sprinting over to the rental car center bus area. And the bus doesn't come. And there's a couple of dudes just standing there. And they're kind of watching me. And I'm like, can I just hop on that one? Like the terminal e-bus? And they're like, no, no, no. They actually kicked us off last night. We got yelled at for doing that. And they were like, no, this one goes to terminal a, I was flying on Terminal A, and that's it. I was like, okay, well, did I just miss it? And they're like, no, we've been here for a while. Terminal A hadn't come. So I was like, oh, man, I'm going to miss my flight. It was getting ready to board. I didn't know what, you know, I still had to check in, whatever. Funny thing, because they saw my North Texas sweatshirt, and my North Texas sweatshirt got a lot of, hey, North Texas. There was, like, the flight crew on the way there. I was like, hey, I'm class of 2010. I was like, hey, me too. Um, so these guys were like, hey, uh, Nortex, that's, that's where Mason Fine went, right? I was like, oh, yeah. And I, I, I answered this question incorrectly. I said, no, or, or whatever. I think I misheard him maybe, but he was like, are you, I think he said now, are you kin to Mason Fine? But I heard him say, I am kin to Mason Fine. So I, I was like, oh, yeah. And I think he heard me say, yeah. And so he was like, yeah. So we were answering different questions, basically. Uh, and the reason I think he asked me this is because I had my hair. My hair, my hair it's kind of long, it's like shoulder length now. Uh, it was in two braids, right? One left, right side. Uh, and, and I realized all this because the next question from him was, what kind of Indian are you? And I was like, huh? Uh, uh, none. <laughs> I'm not I'm not Indian or Native American, as I think you meant to say. Uh, these guys are from Oklahoma. They were good, good dudes otherwise, you know. Uh, down to see some horse racing or something like that. But we talked North Texas football. I let him know what's what, how we're whooping. I let him know how Mason Fine's doing. He's uh, up there in Saskatchewan as the backup QB. Good times there. But uh, I laughed internally. Uh, I guess this guy thought I was a Cherokee down from Oklahoma just to support the Mean Green. And I was also Mason Fine's uh, kin. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not related to Mason Fine. I am not a Cherokee. Uh, and I neither am, from, am I from Oklahoma. So just in case, I thought that was kind of hilarious. Um, like I said, they were good dudes. We were talking about, you know, football and whatever, and Mason Fine. And made my way to the airport. Uh, it turns out I did miss my flight by like three minutes. But it's all good. We got another one in an hour. We'll put you on that one. No big deal. Uh, it wasn't a big deal. And in fact, they're like, guess what, guy? We're going to put you in first class. So all the way winning, all the way good day. Uh, I mean, it's a short flight, so it's not like I had amazing first class experience where they, you know, give me uh, amazing service. It's mostly I just had a little more leg room and I could fall asleep and for that, like, you know, short flight. It was all good because by the time I was done, I was getting pretty exhausted. I had a great time. It was a, a, a dream trip. Everything executed perfectly. Uh, good conversations, good times with friends old and new, uh, good memories. And, uh, oh, yeah, we whooped them. <laughs> we whooped them. Um, 
So that means you're bowl eligible. Right, a couple questions about all this, right? We got about 20 minutes left in this episode. And we'll answer some some outstanding questions. Like, A, what happens to Seth Luttrell? Um, <laughs> there's a lot to say there, right? Um, what can happen? What should happen? Uh, I think everybody feels that, like, maybe if he wants to move on, we're not going to stop him. Uh, he did a hell of a coaching job here. And, you know, I think he gets, like, $350,000 because he reached bowl eligibility. Uh, he should get about give three hundred thousand to uh, Phil Bennett, and then the other fifty to uh, to uh, you know Patrick Cobbs, and then be like, thanks for keeping me employed, gentlemen, because uh, that's what they did, uh, you know, and spread it to the restaurant as he sees fit. That's what's what, right? He has. I don't know that Ren Baker. Ren Baker's not the type to do this, right? I think Ren Baker probably has a. A larger plan, I, I trust Ren Baker. I think he has as much to do, if not more, uh, with the uh, renaissance in, at North Texas than any individual coach. Uh, you know, it, it, players have a lot to do with this. It's a team effort, uh, but I think Ren Baker has also kind of set the, set the direction. He's done a lot of work in that, in that uh, aspect of it. And... So, you know, I don't think you'd be like, it's not really a good look to just fire a guy. It's not, it's not good business. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn from the Jim Harbaugh situation in Michigan where there was a lot of criticism of him, a lot of questions asked of him, and full credit to Jim Harbaugh. And I love Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach. He said, all right, let's fix it. And they did fix it, and they beat their rival. They beat Ohio State. Uh, UTSA is not. Ohio State in this example. But what I mean is that they had a goal they needed to address. It was a clear and obvious goal. He worked to fix it. And now they're number two in the nation or something like that, right? So North Texas, obvious problem, right? But I think if we can we can uh, set a clear goal, like we need to compete for Conference USA Championships next year and the year after or something like that. Um, and, you know, he can work to get that done. I think that's reasonable. Um, you know, you look over at Western Kentucky, uh, they got Bailey Zappi. They hired uh, Zach Kitlin again. I mentioned this last week. The headline of it is like, oh, well, we got that dude, um, Zach Kitley. Uh, and then, you know, it was organic the way that Bailey Zappi came after and Joshua and Jared Stern. No, it wasn't. It probably was like a whole package deal. But whatever, it doesn't really matter, you know. Uh, what matters to us is that, like, we need to be able to do the same kind of thing. Who's the next Bailey Zappi out there? Where's the next guy that's, that can that can win us a conference championship or put us in position to do so, right? I think there's a lot to love about this run game, but we're going to lose DeAndre Torrey probably uh, and a couple of these other guys. We're going to lose a lot of guys, and we can't necessarily say we're going to run for 300 yards a game next season. Uh, if that's what we want to do, fine, but we need a quarterback that could complement that and start hitting on these on these deep passes. We need, uh, you know, to to heal up our wide receivers and get some other wide receivers in here that could do some damage that way. Um, you know, like there there's a lot of things that can be done. And I would say you look at last year and then you know the all those transitionary periods. That's where you earn your money uh, is making adjustments. Number one and number two, refilling the deck, right? Re, re restacking the deck. That's where you earn your money as a college football coach. Um, right. Uh, Dan Mullen's a good coach. He didn't recruit well enough, and then you know, he got the can. Uh, 
uh, uh, Patterson over there in the, at TCU. He did a great job, right? Legendary coach at TCU, but then he started falling off. He didn't recruit as well, and, you know, what are you going to do? That's what's up. That's how it works. Um, Seth Luttrell, great job getting to 6-6. Six and six. Uh, It's not easy. He did what he had to do. He coached them up. They believed in him. He believed in them. They did it. If it was player-led, even better. You know what I mean? That he didn't get in their way and they, they, they were able to execute, right? All that's fine. Um, next season, season after that, I think there needs to be some clear expectations. I forget exactly when his contract, expi- contract expires. I, I do think that there's an extension necessary to help him recruit because also you're just hurting yourself and you're just kind of um, building your own grave, digging your own grave in that respect, right? If you don't extend them or you kind of do whatever. But there's ways to do it, right? It's like this this contract that Trailer got his 10-year one. Cool, but, I mean, it ain't really 10 years, right? There's ways to get out of that. And everybody's protecting themselves. Um, it, you know, uh, who else? Somebody, I think Jim Harbaugh restructured his contract, right? And it was like, it, you know, it was not as uh, favorable to the coach. There are things you can do. Right, you can extend them, give them seven more years, give them twenty more years, but then you structure it in a certain way that you know that it ain't really twenty years, and that's all fine. Everybody's protected. There's not a good time to fire a coach, and if you're gonna do so, you need to. It, it needs to. You need to have a plan, right? And you you need. It can't be. Well, we fired our coach. Uh, like you look at Marshall, and I don't know. We end up worse off next season. Here's hoping that we can kind of keep it that way. It, it's real hard to do that. Marshall ended up losing a lot of talent. They left their squad, a lot of their defensive coordinator. Just a lot of people left the program. I think that hurt the program. And full credit to Charles Huff, Huff for keeping that and getting his team in a position to win, right? And talk about what, a comp- what, a, what being competitive looks like, right? I think Charles Huff had his team in position to compete, to to win a conference title game, to, get into, to be in a top conference title game, right? Uh, I think actually when you look at it, you're like, wait, hold on, we're we fired Doc Holliday because he lost a big game that he should have won, right? We're at home, we beat a UAB team that we should have beaten. Also, we lost the week previous to Rice, and that took us out of our ranking. You know, a lot of shades of UTSA there, right? Um, like, what is you know, we need a guy that's gonna win the big game. So they hire a guy, they bring him in, and then he loses a big game, right? No. Sure, Western Kentucky's more talented, this, that, and the other, and Grand Wells got hurt, whatever. What matters is the situation. You had a big game at home, you didn't execute, you didn't really even compete in it. Um, so we criticized Seth Luttrell, so he hadn't won a big one. He had sort of got that reputation, right? Played FAU, FAU completely dominated them. Then we played in a conference championship game, and FAU dominated them again. Uh, you're like, man, you got, okay, one is, uh, you know, you can be forgiven for that one, but it feels like you didn't learn nothing from the, that first loss and just kind of repeated the same mistakes in the second game, the championship game. Um, and then, uh, you know, he lost to Troy, he lost to Utah State, uh, he, he lost to Army in that one, it was kind of close. Uh, some questions are raised, like, can you win a game when you have to prepare uh, can you win a game that you need to, you know, be clever in? And, you you know, this kind of thing here. You, lo- you lost a, a big game to Louisiana Tech, and that was on a, you know, obviously a field goal um, block. And you're like, okay, whatever. Uh, you lose a game um, to 
UAB on the road in 2018. And like, okay, maybe that was a game, you know, the refs, whatever. I feel like you should have won that game. You're up 21-10. Uh, you lose a game at Cal. That was a winnable game. That was upset potential. Where are these big games, right? You know, we love that Arkansas win. We love that UTSA comeback win. But then you ask yourself, why were we down so much in a game where we're so much better than them in, right? Um, this was a it was a big game. And you can put some qualifiers on it. If you're a Seth Luttrell hater, you're like, ah, oh, UTSA didn't really want to play. They wanted to quit, looking forward. Whatever. They were a good team. Top 25 win at home, right? North, uh, North Texas defended home. They won a big game. They got their bowl eligibility. All good. Except now you got to play a bowl game. And it sort of puts them on that same thing again. You want to go out in a high, and I feel like that's required. North Texas is at least in a good space. They won five straight. It, it, previous seasons, it was a hot start, and then kind of everybody's falling off. This one's a slow start, and then building momentum. Um, so I feel good about that. You know, um, what happens to Seth Luttrell? If he, if he would have won in 2019 at any kind of decent rate, even the same kind of rate, won nine games or something, uh, and then you can kind of forget 2020. Even with this season right here, if he would have won 2019 a lot more and then had this season right here, I think he'd be in a conversation at least for that Oklahoma job that opened up. I think he was been, he'd been waiting. He turned down the Mississippi State job, the rumors have it. He turned down the Kansas job that was pretty well reported. At the Kansas State job, I think he was waiting for the Oklahoma job, and I mean, you miss you miss his window. Uh, it happens. I I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I also think that the Oklahoma job is not going to be as good of a job as it once was. You know, Lincoln Riley just left and went to USC. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't hate the pro. I think somebody asked me this. I tweeted this, and somebody asked me this. Would you hate to, like, a Skip Holtz at North Texas? No, I wouldn't. I think Skip Holtz is a good coach. Uh, he's maybe a little too conservative for my taste, but I thought he, he took uh, a program with limited resources in Ruston at Louisiana Tech. Well-supported, like, strong fan base, but limited resources. Uh, he won 10 games two years ago. He won six straight bowl games. He won, like, nine, eight, nine games every season. They He got good talent in there, right? Uh, you know, some NFLers. Uh, I think they had, like, 15 dudes drafted there. Just a lot to like about the guy. And you give him the resources that North Texas now has, right, in Den. I think he does a great job. Um, you know, also, he's, he's fun to talk to. So I, I don't hate that. I don't hate the guy down at UIW, you know, uh, Eric Morris. He's building a little something there. Um, I don't hate, you know, lots of dudes. I think maybe you even have to even consider maybe this Kittrell guy over there. Uh, or Kitley, sorry. Up there, Western Kentucky. I don't know. Uh, you know, those those are some questions they were asked. Like, do I think we should fire South Trail right now? No, I do not. I'd be fine with him sticking with the head coaching job. I think some patience is required. And if somebody asks for some patience, I think you can give it. He is a first-time head coach. I think that we've seen it pay off with Jim Harbaugh. He learned some lessons. He changed his approach. He gives somebody a chance to make a mistake, especially – uh, to learn from their mistakes, especially as everybody's making these moves, these, uh, you know, knee-jerk moves. Uh, you know, maybe this Orgeron thing is, is uh, you know, I hadn't heard that he kind of got real loose with the program there, but they didn't even say, hey, how about you tighten it up? They just were like, well, you're done. We don't we don't tolerate that here at LSU. Whatever, cool, I guess. The dude just won your national championship. How about you just give him a chance? 
whatever. You know, I, I think there's some value in being uh, a little bit patient. And so I don't mind being patient. And I don't think that is sending the wrong message, quote unquote, because everybody out here is overreacting. And so you just kind of wait a little bit, right? Play the, the yang to the yin. And also you save some money, too. That's the other thing, too. There's a lot of, a lot of coaches being paid to sit down. And I don't know that's the best idea. Uh, North Texas is in a good spot, right? Uh, you, you, you pay. You have a guy that's saying, like, I'm going to be back. Uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, these coaches that are recruiting you, talking to you right now, they're going to be here probably. I think that stability is a great sell. Uh, and then you, you have something to sell right now. Look at these facilities. Look at the overall university, right? Like, it just looked later, like everything. Like, we, basketball's winning. We went to the tournament last year. Uh, we're going to the AAC in a couple seasons. Um, we, we have top 25 teams that come to Apogee, you know? Uh, and we beat them. It's a rivalry game. It can be kind of fun. Uh, we have a brand, something like that. Look, we got a toughness, right? We're playing a rain. You can sell that. You can sell that to some guys that are like, look, we work here. We got some dudes who play in the NFL. One of them's our uh, coach on the sideline. He'll coach you up. You want some NFL pointers, he can give them to you. Uh, we, we've had that here. We've had even coaches like Graham Harrell play in the NFL for a bit. We have things to sell people, right? We got a legacy. We got a history. Look, me and Joe Green, we try them around every once in a while. Maybe you can be the next Hall of Famer. Or maybe you can be like Jeff Wilson, who's over there at uh, you know, San Francisco. Maybe you can be like Jalen Guyton. Maybe you can be like Kimon Hall. Those are dudes from this program under this coach that are in the NFL now. Maybe you want to do the NFL thing. That's That could be you. Come to North Texas, right? You can sell that. Um, so that, that answers that. That's where I think where we go. You can stick with them. I don't hate it. Um, Phil Bennett got to get a raise. You got to keep Phil Bennett around or find a guy that's going to do some Phil Bennett type things. Make sure somebody's learning from Phil Bennett, right? Watch what he eats for breakfast. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if he writes left-handed, then maybe you should be left-handed now. You know what I mean? Like, just learn from him because he he did a hell of a job. Uh, North Texas had one of the stoutest defense and defenses in the conference this season, and I said there's still a lot of they gave up a lot of big plays. There's some question marks at, at certain spots in the secondary, but overall, great, great job. Um, you know, uh, offense. They did. They did. I, I, nobody thought that we should be throwing the ball only like 17 times a game. Like we're playing dodgeball. I mean, dodgeball, dicky ball out here. And yeah, you know, I think definitely Patrick Cobbs would say, well, you know, we won some conference titles with dicky ball, uh, son. So you know, don't talk mess about dicky ball, and that's fine, right? Like if it's effective, that's cool. Or we'll lean into it. Uh, you know, we're gonna run the ball. 60 times in a game, only throw it 17. That's fine as long as we're winning. I don't care as long as we're winning. Uh, you know, scoring 45 points is fun, whether you do that through the air or on the ground. But whatever you're doing, it needs to be creative. That was always the criticism of late stage uh, Daryl Dickey football was that, well, we're going to run it into the line two times, and then we're going to try to find Johnny Quinn, and then we're going to punt. Okay, that was it. There was no creativity there. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a little bit of Jim Harbaugh's, like, he believed in physicality, but they were like, look, we can't just be doing this fullback thing all the time. we got to change it up. So they did that, but you still be physical. I always felt, and I still think, that the spread can be physical. You can be physical in a spread. You don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you just give up or you're, you're soft or something like that. Um, so you can see that now. We're lining up in a spread-type offense, but 
dudes are moving other guys out of the way, you know? They say they evicted them. Uh, football is always about imposing your will on it. It's a physical game. Uh, the easiest way to get the ball from point A to point B is run right through the dude in front of you. Right? You can be clever or something like that and like, oh, I'm going right. No, I was actually going left this whole time. Um, that's fine. You need that too. But uh, at some point, you're going to have to, you know, run through somebody or push them down or or knock them back defensively. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's physicality is the game. It's built into the game. So as long as we're doing that and, you know, we find clever ways to continue to do that, we'll be fine. So that that's my answer on the offense. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it's like even Lincoln Riley's kind of going more to a power game. Uh, a lot of coaches are finding a bit of ways to be physical now that everybody got spread out defensively, right, and to get smaller guys out there. And they're like, you know what? That guy can run and he can cover and he can tackle a little bit, but what if I put a 300-pound lineman that can run, you know, uh, four or five? What if I put him and have him go block that uh, that uh, six foot one, 205-pound, uh, you know, safety? What happens then? Like, oh, we win. Well, let's do that. Anyway, that's that. Uh, kind of lost my place here. What am I looking at? Um, another question, uh, recruiting, we had a couple guys, we had a couple 20, 23 guys there that I saw. Um, I, I don't know that our recruiting rankings are super amazing right now, but yeah, that, that's fine. I, I think uh, I heard somebody say one reason that we hadn't played so well is that we hadn't really recruited as well as we could. We had a really good recruiting class on paper, but we didn't have the fit that we needed. I think that's a little bit playing, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback on all of it. Not everybody's going to hit. Not everybody's going to find out that this is the place for them and they're not going to fit into the program. But I think the position that you absolutely must hit on is quarterback. And, uh, you know, I, I was saying this to a UTSA fan at the tailgate. Um, I was like, you know, like, it's all well and good, right? It's fine. Uh, Seth, uh, Jeff Trailer is winning right now, and that's cool. I think a lot of that has to do with how well his quarterback has played, Frank Harris. Uh, he timely, timely plays, making plays. You look at that drive against UAB where he, he flicked the ball down the middle to the tight end. He pinpoint passed to, to a receiver along the sideline. So whatever you say about him, man, say he, he'll throw an interception here and there. And, you know, uh, as a Grayson Murphy didn't intercept it. And if he did, then then they don't score. You know, I, I think I made that point on last week's podcast. Got to take advantage of those things. Um, he'll throw those passes. He'll fumble the ball. We saw that again here. Even he fumbled into the dome too against UAB. Uh, those criticisms, valid and accurate, is that he he makes plays. He's a playmaker, and you know he, he had a terrible game, but he ran for seventy yards against us. Right? He's like Mason Fine was terrible. Uh, in 2016 against UTSA because he, he fumbled the ball. He had four turnovers, right, two picks and then two fumbles. Uh, but he ran for 80 against them. You know what I mean, it's sort of similar is that in that playmakers make plays even when they're bad. Mason Fine still made plays even when he was bad, right, his freshman season. But my point about all this is that UTSA is good largely because their quarterback was there. And Frank, Har Frank Wilson recruited Frank Harris. And... You know, Frank Wilson recruited all these dudes, and they were not good for a number of seasons, largely because Frank Harris was injured. 
and they couldn't find a backup. They couldn't have a they didn't have a quarterback that would do it for them. And you know, North Texas struggled past couple of seasons, right? Because Jason Bean he did a lot of good, but not enough good, right? Austin Allen did a lot of good, but not enough good. Jace Reuter did a lot of good in some spots, but not that good. Same thing with Austin Allen again this season, is that um, it hasn't been as consistent or as good as we needed them to be. So you can say the same question. We haven't found a guy, and now now all of a sudden Seth Show can't coach. I think what it really reveals is just the weaknesses in your team or maybe your, your decision-making. A great quarterback covers all manner of sins, you know, uh, and and I think we'll see that conference championship game, right? Uh, a couple of good quarterbacks. Bailey Zappi is the best quarterback, though. Um, and, you know, whatever happens in that game, I think Bailey Zappi is going to win it or lose it because he's just that good, right? It's going to make Tyson Helton look like a great coach. Is he is he a better play caller? Is he a better uh, – oh, he's not even calling plays. Kitley's drunk play. Uh, what is it good that he made – what difference in coaching did he do? Well, he found a, a good coordinator, a good hire, and he found a good quarterback and a couple receivers. Those are essential parts of the job, finding good coaches, finding good players. He did it. He might win a championship because of it. Jeff Trailer, uh, you know, he got into the situation. He has a good quarterback, and he lets him play. Uh, that's how he might win a championship, right? Seth Luttrell in 2017 almost rose in a game where he could have won a championship because he had a quarterback, right? Mason Fine, all-timer. Um, find a quarterback. That's that's it. If it's hook or crook, whatever it is, that's what we got to do. Find a quarterback. Uh, you know, Austin Ani, uh, I think the reports on him are like, yeah, he makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. He's good enough for what they need right now. Um, but we need, the goal should be is look at Bailey Zappi and say we need a quarterback that's better than him, right? Look at Frank Harris. He won the division. We need a quarterback that's better than him. Look at Dylan Hopkins, the UAB dude. Um, you know, he played a hell of a game against UTSA. Let's get a guy better than him. We need to find the best quarterback in the in the league, and that'll go a long way to restoring North Texas to the, you know, being the favorite in the league. Um, I don't know who's who's out there. It's not my job to find them. It's their job to find them, right? You know, if I had 14 hours all day to find quarterbacks, you know, maybe I'd do it. Um, <laughs> you pay for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to the end of this. You know what? Let's uh, – we are coming to the end of it. I didn't talk any basketball. I meant to talk some basketball. Uh, let's, let's talk about it, right? North Texas played Kansas in the ESPN – Events International, whatever that. What a terrible name! It's in Orlando. It's basically at Disney. Um, played a little tournament. Lost to Kansas. Next game was against Miami. Lost to Miami. Next game was against Drake. Beat Drake. Uh, there's not a whole lot to take from that. That is like you know big broad conclusions. It's early in the season in a rebuild year. All right, we lost Javion Hamlet to graduation. Uh, Arguably, or maybe he is, he is the best player in North Texas history, right? You lose the best player in history, there's going to be a fall off, right? It, it happens. We had two seasons where we're used to passing to Javion and saying, please go win the game for us. And he's like, cool, I got you. Now it's like, okay, uh, who is going to be Tyler Perry, the new guy? Is it going to be Thomas Bell? Who's it going to be? Ruben Jones, you going to step up? Who's it going to be? We got to figure that out. And even in that moment of hesitation, you're like, is it you? Is it me? You know, that moment. That's where good teams take advantage of you. I thought Kansas jumped out 
kind of hit us in the mouth, and we were a little surprised. We were trying to overplay. I don't know what it was, but it looked like we were reacting to them. Um, we had some shots. We just didn't take them. We had some moments. We overpassed. Uh, we turned the ball over. Uh, we were a little late in some rotations, fouled them, you know, gave them a three-point play when it otherwise would have been two. But overall, you know, that 10-point gap, uh, we they jumped out to uh, to 10-point lead. We stayed with them. Uh, we kept it close. We made a run. They made a run. In the end, we couldn't overcome that gap, and I think that's fine, all things considered. They didn't look scared of them. They just didn't look like they didn't react well to the, the beginning of it. Uh, against Miami, they jumped out to a big lead, let Miami come back, um, and then North Texas didn't really have a closer late. I think on that comeback by Miami, a closer-type person, that's a good person to settle you down. Right? When in doubt, go to your best player. Go to your best offense. What, what is it that we do best? Let's give it to our best dude. Let him run some stuff. Let him get us a bucket. Uh, you know, calm everybody down. We don't have that, so we couldn't find that. There's your problem. Uh, you know, not not something that's unovercomable. It can happen. Right? We can develop that guy. We can figure out how we're going to do it. If we don't have a guy, then we just figure out what sets, what things we do best that we can close with. Then we still have to figure those things out. Against Drake, uh, sort of a similar thing. I thought I thought we played <clears throat> a, a decent game in that one. I thought Aaron Scott hit a couple clutch free throws. Uh, he was one of two on the year, and he hit two back-to-back. -back. Uh, Thomas Bell played really well down the stretch. That both sides, he, he got a block, uh, and he got three or four free throws in, like, three possessions, whatever it was. Uh, good stuff by those guys. Uh, we're going to rely on Thomas Bell. Ruben Jones is great attacking the basket. Um, you know, lots of good stuff from North Texas where they're doing North Texas or Grant McGaslin type things. Uh, you know, good on-the-ball defense, uh, you know, executing, uh, finishing at the rim, looking for some good post plays, shooting when they're open, sharing the basketball. Just really good basketball stuff. I think we're going to be fine. Um, Kenneth Lofton over there at, at uh, Louisiana Tech looks real good. He put up like 36-17 uh, against uh, uh, NC State. He's going to be a problem. Uh, UAB is going to be a problem. Uh, Western Kentucky reloaded. I haven't seen them or read too much about them. So, but, you know, I know they're talented. Those are the three teams to worry about. North Texas is going to be a little bit of kind of a dark horse candidate. But uh, talent aside, right, like just whether or not, you know, straight up talent is going to be there. I think the thing to look, like North Texas is going to be in that conversation just because we play defense and we're willing to play defense man-to-man -man defense, and that always creates opportunities for you. Right? Even if you're not the best offensive creator, if you're playing good defense, you're going to get runouts, you're going to get putbacks, you're going to get steals or just extra possessions that way. So that will be good for North Texas. Um, and I think we'll be in a conversation. The goal this season, I mean, the goal is always to win if you're on a team and everybody's like, we're not, we're competing or whatever. But I think a reasonable expectation for fans is that we're in the, the semifinal that we can get to the semifinal of the conference tournament. And like I said, whatever, however we get there, right? If it's like we don't have a good conference season and so we have to play our way in through the bottom, you know, or we earn earn a spot where we get a, get to buy, right? I think both, one is obviously easier, one filled with less drama. Another one's a little harder, but maybe more exciting. And I mean, we won the conference tournament from a, a low spot last season, not the lowest, but a low spot. and. You know, it's not easy. You can see North Texas kind of uh, uh, getting a little tired in that final game, but they, they powered through it. 
you don't want to have to power through it all the time, right? But you, you can. It can be done. But uh, for me, it's, it's not like championship or bust. It's just like get out there and get to the to that spot uh, in the conference tournament, and then anything can happen. And then compete in that game, you know. Um, who knows what's going to happen if we if we can't stop Kenneth Lofton in the in the semifinal or the championship game? Then you know it is what it is, whatever. Uh, but I, I think or we wouldn't play them in the championship game. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's it. That's, there's a little basketball preview. Conference season didn't start till January, so there's a lot to kind of, uh, you know, prepare for. This was a good tournament. I thought that it, it helped them get some tournament mindset with this group particularly, right? And, you know, it, it's always good to figure out how they play together. You give them some adversity because they had to play like at 9 in the morning or something ridiculous. You know, it, it, throw all that weirdness at them. And if they can handle that, then they can definitely handle the conference regular season, that Thursday, Saturday cadence. You know, it's all good. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the Mingree Nation podcast. Uh, again, I apologize for my voice. I was uh, cheering the Mean Green on. Um, we're going to try to keep this up during basketball season, definitely. Uh, we'll have maybe a season recap one. I know I sort of recapped it here, but we'll talk about some other things. we got signing day coming up. Uh, we got the uh, um, bowl game announcement, if there is one. I think pre- prepare yourself for the possibility that North Texas doesn't go to a bowl. I think... Uh, if it, we're looking at the Frisco Bowl, I think a lot of teams want to be uh, be close. Nobody really wants to travel that far. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hate a Dallas area uh, bowl game. I think there's still some fun in that uh, for everybody. And it's an opportunity to play again and to win. And, you know, everybody would embrace that. Um, you know, so we'll do a podcast about that. Uh, and then after a bowl, there's one. There's a signing day coming up, the December signing day. Lots of stuff happening. We'll be here. Um, like I said, I'm moving Mingry Nation HQ elsewhere. So, uh, you know, I can't promise any schedules or something like that. But, you know, we'll still do what we do. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Go Bing Green.